The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello. Everybody, welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Thursday. We have reached the middle of September. We have reached week two of the NFL football season. Chargers and Chiefs tonight on Pride. What a week two matchup. What a what a debut matchup for the all-streaming Thursday night schedule. Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet on the call. It'll be fun, man. It'll be fun. We're going to talk a lot of football this morning. The great Jake DeLome is going to join me. You know him. However you know him, you know him. Whether it be through, um, you know, his equestrian talents, whether it be from his old Dr. Lahey commercial, 2020. Actually, come on. You guys know him as the former quarterback of Louisiana who uh, is in Louisiana Education Hall of Fame. Went to Turlings from Brobridge, went in the NFL, made it on the Saints, broke in big with the Panthers as their starter, played in a Super Bowl. A uh, friend of the program, friend of mine, and Jake and I are going to talk a lot of football here coming up shortly this hour. Ralph Malbro, my friend from the Saints Happy Hour podcast, going to join the show as well later on. We'll talk a little Saints-Bucks in the matchup coming up on Sunday. You know, for some teams... It's it's the week one overreaction. Either way, either you're going to the Super Bowl or you need to fire the head coach right away. Right? We've talked a lot about overreaction to week one of the NFL season. But let's be real. There's one team that probably overreacts to everything, but let's just say that we're not overreacting when we say, yeah, they're in trouble and it's real bad. And that's the team... That is the only team that didn't even score a touchdown in week one of the NFL season. 31 teams scored at least one touchdown. The Dallas Cowboys did not. See, the truth is the Dallas Cowboys were going to be struggling even with Dak Prescott. Right? Like, you know, they... All the injuries they had in the preseason, their roster being too top-heavy and not having the depth it needs. And now Jerry Jones is, is, I mean, talking about he's not putting him on IR. He thinks he can be back here in four weeks? What? This is Jerry Jones, the 105.3 The Fan out of Fort Worth. If we thought he wasn't going to be ready to go for uh, four games, until after four games, we would put him on IR. We're not doing that. We think he can come in and play, so we don't want to uh, not have him out there practicing. We want him uh, getting prepared, and we'll see how he uh, handles this thing, how it uh, heals, mainly how he can, uh, his strength, how he can grip the ball, what his status is. Uh, but that's not being an optimist. The proof is that uh, we got a good surgery, got good technique, and uh, feel uh, better about it than we did uh, Sunday night. Well, there you go, Jerry. You know, we're, we're, we talk to the medical people, our medical. And the guy just had surgery. You're going to rush him back? You sound like the old. I mean, you just sound old. I mean, 
Put some dirt on it now. You'll be all right. This is not the old NFL here, okay? So now you're going to rush him back for a team that's, speaking of rush, is going to, is going to play Cooper Rush and Will. They're not even going to get a veteran. Will Greer and Cooper Rush. They can just roll with that for a little while. Just going to roll with that. Like, it, 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 no. No, it's a mistake to rush Dak back. Number one, you don't want to re-injure it. You don't want to be hold, having trouble gripping a football. But, but, but Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones have mismanaged this team from the beginning of the offseason. It's the same deal. The Cowboys have a couple of bad seasons. One season where they're pretty good in the regular season, and they all flip out like they're about to win it all, and then they just fall on their face in the playoffs. Rinse and repeat. And, 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 you know, Saints fans need to keep an eye on this. Because the Mike McCarthy seat was already hot before the season started. It's going to continue to be. And, uh, you know, Jerry likes yes men when he hires his head coaches. Sean Payton is not a yes man. Would he look at that and be like, I don't know if I want to deal with that? Or would he say, well, Bill Parcells did it. I guess I could do it. I have history there. But let's remember. You know, Bill Parcells did it is because he was he was going through a divorce, needed the money in a big way. What if Peyton looked at it and he's like, I don't want to deal with that mess. I don't know. Either way, if they're going to make a serious run at Peyton, you want them to be more desperate than ever to get him if you're a Saints fan. You want the Cowboys to have an awful record because, number one, it's going to cost a first-round pick, maybe more, and you want that pick to be as good as possible, and you want them to be so bad that they're feeling so desperate because Jerry's feeling desperate. He does he does things, even though he appears to be an optimist. Oh, no, we're not going to put him on IR. He'll be back. Does anyone think Dak Prescott's going to be back in three weeks? Anybody? Any, I mean, and, and if he is, is that a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. How about them Cowboys? Yeah, the rest of the NFC East won in week one. Uh, Dallas and Cincinnati, your CBS afternoon game. We get just subjected to plenty of Cowboys. And then the following week, they're on Monday Night Football. And then in week five, they got the Rams in the America's Game of the Week slot. And then a week later, they're on Sunday Night Football. You know, we get so much Cowboys. I'm just telling you, we're going to get a lot of bad football in those late time slots. I'm just telling you. When we come back, Jake DeLome joins me. We're going to talk a little Cajun football, the state of the program. What's the right expectation right now for this year's team? You know, we talk about the 15-game winning streak, but that's dating back to over a year ago. They're 2-0 and this year. They've played four good quarters and four bad quarters. What is the right expectation? We'll ask Jake that, and then we're going to get into a lot of NFL football talk. Jake played in the league. He covers the league. He is the colored analyst for the Carolina Panthers. I'm not a Baker Mayfield guy. Never have been in the pros. We'll get his thoughts on Baker, the NFC South, all kinds of stuff. Love having Jake on. He joins me next. Uh, Ralph Malbro, Saints historian from the Saints Happy Hour podcast, going to join us later in the 8 o'clock hour as well. It's a great show this morning. It's the great Scott show. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Don't go anywhere. Are you 
ready for week two of Thursday night football? Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. See, it's simple. Bet on LA or Kansas City to win. If your team leads by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. I'm Scott Prather and I'm telling you to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420 to get $200 in free bets instantly. Instantly, when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code 1420 only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana, select parishes only. Bonus issued is free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. <laughs> You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Joining me now, as promised, he is in the Louisiana Rage Cajun Hall of Fame. He is in the uh, Wall of Fame, Wall of Honor for the Carolina Panthers. Color commentator on the Carolina Panthers radio network. Friend of the program, friend of mine, Longtime NFL quarterback Jake Delone. Good morning, Jake. How is uh, how you doing this fall? How you doing this football season? Everything is great. The weather turned a little bit. I think it has a pep in everyone's step, and football season has officially started with Week One in the books. Whoa. So, sixteen franchises ready to win the Super Bowl, and sixteen franchises ready to fire their head coach. That's right. That's right. That's how it goes, man. It's it's Week One overreaction. You know, talking about the weather, what is the, like, worst weather conditions you ever played in? Whether it be high school, college, pro, whenever it might have been, what what was it? You know, I was really lucky. I never truly in the NFL had one of these snow uh, games. Um, I know for me, I despise wet weather, like a big rainy weather type. That That's something I just despise, throwing the football. Um but I think uh, more windy days, uh, those are ones where you just know that for two quarters you're going to be able to have an opportunity to throw the football, and the other two quarters it's just it's not going to happen. Um, and we played in the Meadowlands, or now it's called MetLife Stadium, in late December, and that's how that game was. That was something. That, that's, just not, that's just not fun, you know, because really and truly if you're thrown into the wind, it's, it's a crapshoot. You're just hoping you can get some, enough on it to get it remotely close. Uh, you, your, your boy, Kurt Warner, NFL, a pro football Hall of Famer, your old teammate in NFL Europe, I remember him saying that he just, he hates, like, snow games. He hates when playoff games are, like, out in the elements. He, he wishes all games were inside. And, you know, he took some heat for it, but, like, I, he didn't care. He's like, look, this is how I feel about it. You know, we, we practice – 
most of the year in, in a certain way, and then suddenly the most important games are somewhere else. He was like, there's a reason there's only been like one Super Bowl in New York, but all of them, you know, most of them they're trying to have in, you know, either indoors or good conditions. And, you know, I, I hear players say, look, I love it. I love the snow or I love the rain. Do you think most players are, are kind of like Kurt? Do you think most players actually, even if they don't want to admit it, would prefer if football was just always in good conditions? Oh, absolutely. I mean, sure enough, you might have, you know, the snow game. You might like a, a, a D-tackle or an offensive lineman. They might enjoy that. But uh, other than that, no. I mean, you want to play in some decent conditions. I want to. I don't want to say pristine, uh, but be it hot, be it fairly cool, um, 10, mile, 10 mile an hour or less wind, something like that, and, you know, have a fairly dry ball or solid footing. I that's that's you're gonna get the majority want to play in that. You know, I I I was saying about the Packers the last few years. I'm like, as a team, they had kind of been built kind of like an indoor team, and you know, Aaron Rodgers losing games at Lambeau. I'm like, you know, yeah, okay, home field advantage. The Niners were better equipped. You know, I, I say better equipped. They they were built as a team kind of to perform better in those kind of conditions than the Packers were. Ironically, I know that that's not really a, a focus and maybe a lot of people, I don't know, you might disagree with me, but I'm like, man, it, as crazy as it sounds, this whole whole field advantage thing, Aaron Rodgers might have been better off if he had been a wild card and just been able to, to, to be in a dome most of the postseason. Well, that would help him, but I think a lot has to do with the football team. Two years ago, Tampa went up, you know, a, a warm weather team. Uh, and the weather was actually halfway decent. I right. uh, went up to Green Bay and beat them, and, and that was due to some ridiculous play calling on the defensive coordinator right before halftime, uh, and them not going, and the Packers not going for it uh, late in the late in the uh, in the game because Tom did not have a very good game that game, especially the second half. He had two or three picks, so it's uh, I think it just all depends. Usually, the better teams are in the playoffs, and that's when you kind of meet up with them and. You know, when you're good on the offense and defensive line, um, you, that's that's a you can have success. It travels pretty easily. Yeah, team. regardless of the conditions, no doubt. Jake Delomar, guest, love talking football with Jake. Uh, we're going to get back into the NFL for a second, but I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, your alma mater, the the Raging Cajuns, 15 straight wins now, off to a two and zero start, and the Sun Belt is is having their moment, Jake, deservedly so. You know, it went from. I was talking to, to Coach Mike uh, on Monday, and he's like, look, when I played, teams were looking to get out of the Sun Belt. Now teams are looking to get into it from a group of five standpoint. And he's right. Uh, you know, from a, from a group of five standpoint, they used to be, you know, at the bottom, you know, with the MAC year in, year out. Now they're, they're at the top. And that moment they had Saturday where you had a number of road wins against top 10 teams and, and, and Georgia Southern goes and wins at Nebraska and, you know, I know the Cajuns weren't playing a P5 school, but they, they have the nation's longest win streak. They upped it to 15. And I, I if if folks have been paying attention, it wasn't like that moment came out of nowhere. You know, it's it's been kind of building to that. And, you know, at the end of the day, it benefits all the teams in it, and in particular the champion, who right now the defending champ happens to be the Ragey Cajuns. Yeah, it's a, um, it really and truly is a, a very solid conference. And, and I, I tend to agree with Mike in that regard that I'm not so sure we were, you know, kicking our heels early on with the Sun Belt. But the way this um, 
conference has evolved and some of the teams that they have added in. I love getting um, Southern Miss in. I love getting Marshall in. And um, those are some main programs that Southern Miss, they're, they're going to turn that around. Marshall, obviously, going up to uh, Notre Dame, getting paid, what, $1.25 million and winning. Uh, and Notre Dame was great. Um, even Georgia State uh, only losing by seven to uh, North Carolina, and it really wasn't their their best day. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's a very competitive conference, very good conference, and uh, you know, hopefully, it can stay that way. Uh, I'm assuming um, you'll have this whole transfer portal NIL mess come in and um, get some guys plucked from these schools because that's kind of seems to be what's going on right now, but that's the rules that we're living under, and uh, I guess we just have to deal with it. Jake, what are your thoughts on, you know, just Coach Desimo? I know it's it's early in, in into the season, but just right now the team, particularly the 2022 team, and how far do you think they could take this win streak? Yeah, listen, I I think he's faced with, with a tough task. Very simple. I'm not trying to make excuses. Uh I think Dez has done a great job. Uh, I know him. I was not a teammate with him. I'm, you know, a good bit older than him. But, uh, you know, I just know what kind of integrity he has as a man first. And, and to me, that goes such a long way when you're a head coach because uh, the team will believe in you, even if you have to tell them things that they don't like to hear. Um, that goes a long way. I think this team has a chance to have a very solid year. Listen, that was – special and magical last year. Everything was leading up to that for the Cajuns going into it. You had the whole COVID uh, situation. You had guys that were able to come back. You had a quarterback playing in his fifth year or sixth year with whatever Levi was in. Um, You had running backs that were outstanding. You've had offensive linemen that really and truly you had two NFL offensive linemen last year. One is now playing for the Jets and the other one um, is now at Florida that's projected to be a very high pick in next year's draft. So we lost a lot of talent of that team, not only senior laden-wise, but also from the portal. We didn't lose guys to, you know, other uh, group of five schools. We lost them to uh, Florida, to LSU, to TCU. And we didn't lose one or, one or two guys. We lost six or seven. And those are very, very, very good football players. And – that's just the way it goes. So we're replacing those guys. Uh, glad to see that we started out 2-0. and uh, Certainly took us a little bit to get warmed up the other night. But you could just see that we had the better team. And once we started kind of taking shots down the field, I think our strength is our receivers on this football team. Um, it it kind of played, you know, came out nice with the Cajuns, I guess you could say. But still a long road ahead for this football team. I expect them to get better as the season goes on. And hopefully we can stay healthy. I think we're so spoiled, though, Scott. The the quality of running backs that we have had at UL, you go back to Elijah McGuire, and then you take Trey Regas, Raymond Colley, Elijah Mitchell, uh, all three still in the NFL. I know Raymond's not on the team right now, but he'll get picked up at some point. And then you have the Johnson kid transferred to Florida. He's starting for them. Um, and then a Bailey kid at TCU that's playing for them. So the quality of running back that we have had, it's just um, it's kind of mind-boggling when you think about it. So, And hopefully we can start to develop some guys and get some guys in to, uh, to get back up to that quality, but that's difficult. And, and I think on top of that, Jake, you know, I, I'm still 
the depth on the O-line this year. I know they're, they're supposed to get Landon Burton back this week, and, and Coach Desimo told us that. But, you know, the depth isn't – I don't think they're as deep there as they've been. You know, they don't have as much experience there. And since I've been covering the team when I moved back here in 05, they've always had one of the best offensive lines in the Sun Belt every single year. Even in the years where the team didn't do well, they had a really strong O-line. You know, I, I don't – I don't know that they're going to be strong this year. I don't know that they're going to be weak. I mean, it's it's a small sample size, but from a run-blocking standpoint, you know, I think there's there's some room for improvement. So on top of losing those talented backs, you know, you, you're, I, I don't think as of right now, I don't think it's crazy to say, I think it's very, you know, just to put it bluntly, the O-line isn't, isn't as strong currently today as it, as it has been the last couple of years. I know they're, they're working on it, but that, that's going to impact the run game as well in a big way. Well, it, it shouldn't be as strong because if you look at it, so Max Mitchell is a fourth-round pick. He's starting Shane Vallow, yeah. yeah, exactly. Shane Vallow, uh, starter, um, he's gone. And then so you're anticipating that you're going to have the two kids that transferred to Florida. And then I believe the other guy, uh, King McGowan, you lose him to an injury. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, injuries are going to happen, but two to, two to the uh, the portal, that's, the plan was there. The the cupboard was right. there. The players were there. It's just this whole portal issue now. It's a it's going to be a battle, especially for schools kind of like that because offensive linemen they're hard to find. And you saw LSU tried to uh, pluck two of them this year. Uh, I can't remember exactly what schools. One was the FIU or FAU. One of those. Uh, but they're gonna teams are gonna do that. These bigger schools are gonna do that. They have a need and they're gonna pluck and. You know, these kids are going to get incentivized to go to those schools, and that's just the way it is right now. Jake DeLome, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. We're going to take a quick timeout. We'll come back, get his thoughts on the NFC South, Baker Mayfield, rivalries, and uh, the NFL after week one and the extreme overreaction that always comes with week one. And, you know, maybe where is some of the reaction fair? Where is it over? Where is it under? We're going to get in all that up next right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Don't go anywhere. My friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette, coming at you on this Thursday. Week two starts tonight with the uh, Chargers and Chiefs, but week one in the rear view, we're, we're chatting about it with Jake DeLome this morning, longtime NFL quarterback, former Raging Cajun. And, um, you know, Jake, I know that as the color analyst for the Carolina Panthers, you know, you're traveling on the weekends and you, you, you get an up-close look at them and their opponent. How much of the rest of the league are, are you able to really – because I look, I, I know you're a busy guy with everything you do, and and, and you know horse racing and banking and, and and football. How much of the rest of the league do you get to to follow on a weekly basis? Oh, I try to follow it, Scott. Um, yeah, Sundays do become a little difficult um, just because at the stadium early, and by the time I get out and fly fly home, I miss the majority. But so Thursday night game, I get to watch Monday night game, and then I catch up during the week. Um, 
you know, on my computer, kind of catch up on watching film and things like that. So can't say that I can watch, I watch every single snap of every game, but I do get a decent amount of work in. Um, and then you start to get an idea of teams as you play them uh, because you put an extensive amount of work in uh, going into that opponent. So watching Cleveland last week or trying to watch, uh, <laughs> watch preseason tape, that's pretty difficult nowadays. Um, so I have an idea about Cleveland, and now we're on to the Giants. That's who the Panthers play this week. So that's why, that's why I follow the most. But certainly I stay abreast of it. Speaking of preseason, Jake, you know, a topic of conversation this week has been the lack of preseason reps and, you know, its impact now with a, a, a limit on padded practice and uh, not a fourth preseason game and key players, you know, teams not wanting to risk injury. It seems like week one is is really hard to get a grasp on a lot. And how much of that do you think is a guy that played in the league as long as you did? How much of that do you think is just attributed to how most teams approach the preseason now? Oh, I think a great deal. Um, you know, a lot. So much was said last year because the Rams won the Super Bowl that oh, preseason doesn't matter. And I just, I, I totally, I disagree with that. I, I still go back to it. If Jaworski Tart catches the pop-up interception from Matthew Stafford in the playoffs. The San Francisco 49ers are in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's, uh, you know, things happen sometimes. You get good bounces. But I'm a firm believer in getting some playing time. Um, I think week one was, I know, watching Buffalo, watching Buffalo play the Rams, Buffalo played their guys in the preseason, and they, they destroyed the Rams. And then I just, the more I watch, I mean, Tom Brady takes his little hiatus, whatever it may be. He comes back. He plays in the preseason. Uh, and they looked pretty darn good the other night, especially defensively. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Andy Reid, he played Patrick Mahomes a decent amount. Uh, the Cardinals, they went the other way. How did that work out for them? I, I don't know. I just, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in it. I just think it kind of creates continuity and, and things like that. I think you go back to Monday night's game, Seattle. They, Geno Smith played a great deal. Russell Wilson didn't do anything in the preseason. So it's, uh, I think that has something to do with it. Um, I can go on and on. I, I think the New Orleans Saints have a much, much, much better roster than the Atlanta Falcons. But Marcus Mariota played a great amount in the preseason, and I think that had something to do with it. And once Jameis could get going, those receivers could kind of get going, then they started throwing the ball, and next thing you know, they come back and win. So I'm, I believe in it. Um, I mean, you have three games and you have a two-week break, so, yes, it's not going to look – the greatest. It's not going to look the cleanest, but I just think those teams that able to play together some and get some action. I just think that that has something to do with it. I I think I want your, your thoughts to expand a little bit on the idea of now you have 17 games and oftentimes Jake, so much of a Super Bowl run is, you know, how healthy was your team? I mean, do you think that, that these teams that approach the preseason saying, you know what? If a guy's got, you know, a hangnail, we're sitting him out, right? Or if this guy's got 10 years in the league, we're not playing him. Do you think that it's more in the moment, or do you think these teams, a lot of them are thinking maybe just long-term, like, okay, we might not hit our stride week one, but we'd rather hit it a little bit. Like, I guess what I'm asking is, is there a right or wrong answer here in terms of the approach? Look, I don't know. Uh, I just know what 
we did and if I hadn't played in over a decade. So things have definitely changed. I know training camps have changed, uh, how much you can have padded practices, how much padding you can have on during the season. So, listen, I, I'm, I'm out of the loop, I guess you can say, in that regard. But I still go back to it, Scott. I know there's 17 games, but it's only 17 games. I mean, week one is important. And, yes, do you want to hit on all cylinders on week one? Probably not. But I just go back to it. Our Super Bowl year, we start out 5-0. and and we were playing well, then we hit a three-game stretch in late November, early December, where we lost three in a row. We weren't playing well. And then we kind of geared back up for the playoff run. I just think teams get hot at different times. You're going to have injuries no matter what. I mean, Tyron Smith, Dallas Cowboys. Man. He got hurt. In a, I don't even think they went full pass. Yeah. Um, when he, it just, if you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. It's going to happen. I understand, oh, okay, preseason, you're getting hurt for nothing, but I, I don't know. I just, I just think it, I still think it has value. I still think it has some meaning. Yeah, I think like I, I don't personally like I don't look at win loss records in preseason as you know significant. Um, maybe for a young team that that needs confidence, but for most, I think it's it's more or less like you said, Jake. Just those reps and getting into a game flow, and it's hard to to make, you know, any any harsh reactions from week one, we're all going to do it, and I'm maybe guilty of it, even though I have my guard up. But what what in your mind is the biggest overreaction from week one of the NFL season? Well, I, I just, it's so easy. Like last year, the Saints totally dismantled the Green Bay Packers. I know it was in Jacksonville and all that, but, I mean, Aaron Rodgers looked terrible last year in week one. Well, he didn't look terrible the rest of the year. He won the MVP. Um, it, it just so many teams, and it takes a little while to get your footing. I get it, but I just think we overreact so much because the anticipation is so great. Um, and then again, you mentioned something about preseason, and from what I remember, if my memory is correct, when the Saints won the Super Bowl, that was the '09 season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think they absolutely destroyed teams in the preseason. It's like I vividly remember watching one of the highlights. I think they went to Oakland. You're right. Play the Raiders. You're right. They beat and them like 50 to nothing. It was like yeah. a Tecmo Bowl game. Right. It was, it was a joke. And every good team I've ever been on, we were very, very good in the preseason. Not because the starters played a ton. It's because you have depth and quality of depth. I saw the Buffalo Bills, if you watch them in the preseason, I think they beat Indianapolis. It was a joke how bad they beat. It was, it was an ugly – oh, it was Denver. It was an ugly, ugly football game. They just – it was a joke. But the quality of depth. And that, those usually are your better teams. And then when you have the, the unicorn quarterback, as the, the Peyton Manning, I don't know if they ever won a preseason game with Indianapolis because it was – Little dollars, uh, major dollars tied into only a few players, but those few players were great, and that was Peyton. And the one time he didn't play the whole regular season, they had the number one overall pick and able to get Andrew Luck because he was that good. So I just think quality of depth shows up in the preseason, and that 0-9 Saints team, that Super Bowl team, I, I think they destroyed teams in the preseason. They were they were three and one. They lost the last game of the preseason against Which Miami. Makes sense but they that's the one that right, they didn't play then, anybody. Right. No, nobody really played. Right. In the, right. There was the first, second, third. Yeah. Oh, you have a good memory. They did go into Oakland that year and absolutely uh, just destroyed the Raiders. Um, Jake Delomar, guest, ESPN Lafayette. I wanted I wanted to get your thoughts on 
uh, something that would deal with, I guess, the psychology side of of a locker room in football. And I'm people will say I'm doing this because I want to pile on the Falcons. I really don't. I'm I want your thoughts on it. When you're on a franchise that has this this moniker of of blowing big leads, and they've they've done it a lot lately. It's not just the twenty eight to three or what happened Monday. I mean they've they've lost more games up by fifteen or more points in the last three years than the rest of the teams in the NFL combined. Um, I know it's 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 week one, and Arthur Smith said we got a whole season, and he's right. Is there does there come a point? in a season where if it, or, or whatever it might be, whether it's blowing big leads or whether it's, it's turnovers, whenever there's something negative that's associated with the team, is there a point where it does begin to impact the locker room where it's like guys really start to say like, man, like what, what is, you know, what's the meaning of all this? What's the meaning of life? Or, or do, do we just maybe as, as fans and viewers, get way more into that than players who are just looking at it more kind of weekly and, and as a job. Listen, Scott, I don't think the players are saying it in the locker room. I think they're feeling it during the game. Um, they're not going to say it out loud because you don't want, but you don't want to bring it up, but I promise you there's a general consensus on the team or in the field during the game that, Oh my God, I got to make a, we can't we can't do this. we can't blow another one we can't do this uh, I I just think that's human nature I think that comes into play um, I mean heck watching the Panthers right now we it's it's very simple they lose a heartbreaker Sunday to a pretty good Cleveland team uh, on a 58 yard field goal but you gotta you you gotta win one one of these close ones you gotta do it um, Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback two years ago they went 0 for seven or 0 for eight in game winning drives. And then last year we finished the season. We were five and five, and 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 you know we finished the season five and twelve. It's you got you got to win one. You got to do it. So I think that does creep in. You just don't you don't say it out loud. You just and the only way to fix it, you you have to do it on the field. We go we go to the Super Bowl in two thousand and three, and the next year we start out one and seven. Yeah. Now we were a shell of the same team because. We lost guys due to free agency, to, due to retirement, and injured reserve. We had probably the best injured, injured reserve of all time Smitty. with all the talent we had yeah. on guys that just season in the in, in, injuries. So we're playing a bad San Fran team in San Fran, and we're down at half. And, gosh, we're, I think we're 1-7. And, and, and you could feel it. Like, come on, man. Like, we're so much better than this team. And the second half, for whatever reason, we just kind of, it was a release. We let go and we went six out of eight. And that kind of made the rest of the season go by great. Uh, but that propelled us into the next year where we made it to the NFC Championship game. You know, it's just, you got to break that streak, break it sometimes. You, you, I think the Lions, and look, I, I like Dan Campbell, but I think they're feeling a little bit of that, right? Like, what do we have to do? Like, if it's a close game, how do we just get a win? And then, well, they're going to have to outscore people because defensively, they're just they're just not there. Yeah, I mean, it's very simple. They are not there. They're they're getting better offensively and and things like that. And I think he's doing it the right way. Uh, I truly believe that. That just that was a listen. It didn't work with Matt Patricia and the whole New England thought process up in 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 Detroit. So, is a total 
total rebuild. Uh, and you, to me, you got to give them credit the way they played at the end of the year um, with nothing whatsoever to play for and to play their tail off. And, and it, we'll see how the, it shakes out. I think Philadelphia is a, a solid football team, and, you know, they made a run of it Sunday. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I just – I I think trying an onside kick in the third quarter – do you, I feel like sometimes coaches can, in those situations, you mentioned the players, they're not saying it, but they start to feel it. Like, whether we're talking about the Lions or the Falcons, like Arthur Smith, it you can try everything in your in your, in, in, in your wheelhouse and, and use all the willpower you want to not think about it and just be in the moment. But I think it's impossible not to maybe make a decision as a coach or a play call without it. You, it's just, it's human nature. You're impacted in a certain way by everything that's surrounded, everything that led up to that moment, right? And not just in that moment. And you have to have conviction if you want to do it. I mean, look at the Giants. Brian Dable is very simple. They scored on fourth down, and then we're going for two. We're going for the win. If they don't make it, he's going to get crucified. You know, uh, he's going to get crucified. And you go back, even go back to Sean in the Super Bowl, calling the onside kick. If, if, if they don't, if Chris, was it Chris Reese that yeah. recovered? If he yep. doesn't recover it and Peyton Manning has the football right there, you, you might be talking about a different game. So I, I just think, you know, a lot can be made, and, and, but you got to make the play. It's the NFL is about, it's, it's about making plays, you know, and, and that's kind of what, it, what, what it's all about. Jake DeLomar guest, this great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Uh, the NFC South, you, you know, Carolina and Cleveland. So I've, uh, Jake, I've never been a big Baker Mayfield guy uh, in the pros anyway. This isn't anything new. I mean, I've been – I wasn't a big believer of him in Cleveland. I know that he deserves some credit for their first playoff win in a long time and, and beating their big brother in Pittsburgh a few years ago. But I've always felt like a big strength of Cleveland was was the run game. I think Baker takes things obviously personal, and I think you know having a chip on your shoulder is good. But it, does it go too far? I mean, where where are you at as far as I mean, you you have a lot more insight into him and the Panthers than I do. I mean, you're there, you cover the team. What are your thoughts on on Baker Mayfield and the possibility of him, you know, being the the future quarterback of Carolina as opposed to just right now, which I think he's just he's the guy this year and and he's got a shot to earn that future job. But I think he has to show a lot. Yeah, listen, he is the guy this year. There are 16 more games to determine if he can be a guy, the guy going forward. So, you know, last year Panthers started out 3-0, and and I get asked on Charlotte Radio, oh, you think Sam's the future? I'm like, well, he's the future for this week because we're 3-0. and I mean, it, we have a whole season to play. Let, let some stuff play out. Now, this is Matt Rule's best chance at quarterback. We had Bridgewater. And then we had Sam Darnold. And so now it's his best chance with, with someone like Baker. And it's still going to be choppy, I think, early on. He, he just got to the team, traded mid-July, mid early July, and then at training camp. Um, and it wasn't pretty the other day. I think Cleveland had something to do with that um, early on, but was able to kind of come back and make a big throw and to, to kind of get us back involved and, so we'll we'll see how it all plays out, but um, but yeah, that's I guess that's the beauty of this long season. You're gonna have seven, 16 more weeks to determine if he's someone who you think uh, can be your guy. When it comes to having a, a chip on your shoulder, I mean, I, I, 
I don't know you as well as some of your former teammates, but I feel like that was part of how you approached football, right? And and it's a, you know, shoot, I talk to Coach Desimo all the time. He says, I've got a chip on my shoulder and, and we have a locker room and these players, it's it's where they've come from. It's people overlooking us. I mean, it's a good thing. Um, why does it feel like with Baker that it's like on another level? Is it just because he was the number one overall pick and we, we get more headlines about it? Or does he really like take take the chip on the shoulder thing to a, an even higher level? Well, I think he's a lightning rod for the media. Um, and listen, some of it he's probably brought upon himself. Uh, you know, being kind of combative, I guess you can say, with the media. Uh, but I, I talked to many people leading up to this game, and it was ad nauseum, the whole Baker Bowl and this and that from last week. And, right. You know, I talked to three guys out of Cleveland um, – and three that I respect, and they've been there for a long time, and one was a player, and and everyone said the same thing. Hey, really like the guy now. Like, this guy can play. Said so just don't don't pay attention to everything that you that, that you read coming out of Cleveland. And, 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 and one of them, one of these guys said, listen, I don't have the best relationship with him, he said, but I respect him. He said he puts in the work, he's tough as could be, and he's got the talent to do it. So – you know, we'll see how it all shakes out, but um, it, it, it's determined by wins and losses. It's very simple. Um, and the same thing the Saints are going to go through this year. What's going to – what's how? how is that going to go down the line, you know, with, with Jameis? Does he stay, stay healthy the whole year, and, and what do the Saints do? Uh, because the Saints, I think, are ahead of the Panthers roster-wise. The Saints have an extremely, extremely good roster, in my opinion. I thought they had a really good one last year. Uh, I don't think the Panthers are there yet. I think they're slowly starting to get there. Um, so we're, we're all we're all going to be in the same boat at the end of the season. Who's what quarterback is going to uh, be the quarterback for all four of these teams in this division? Because the assumption is this is Tom's last year. So it's uh, we have we have 16 games to let it play out. Yeah, it, you, to your point. I mean, Tom, this is this is this is the last year. Um, most likely, and he's kind of said as much. Um, and then, you know, Mariota, I don't, you know, with respect, I don't, I don't think many people feel like he's the future of that position for the Falcons. And then with Baker and Jameis, um, you know, and there are a lot of Jameis stands and I, 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 I like the guy, but you know, it's, it's an audition. I mean, the Saints tried to get Russell Wilson. They, they tried to get Deshaun Watson. I'm glad they didn't, but you know, they, they, they looked around, right? Um, it, so he, this is, this is kind of an audition for him as well in a lot of ways. And, uh, yeah, the, the the quarterback situation in the NFC South could look very different a year from now as it does today. But uh, as a whole, you know, I I like the rivalries within the NFC South. I think it's a, I think it's a fun division to cover. Um, and, you know, I, I'm anxious to see, you know, how this whole thing plays out in the rest of the season, Jake. But, you know, Matt Rule... Where, where, where is he, is he, is he safe? Do you feel like this is maybe a make or break year for him? Because I know when they hired him, they said, look, we got a, a six-year plan here. We're going to give him time. Uh, and yet, you know, from the outside, the way a national media looks at it is, you know, they're catering to fans. And so are you going to be patient? I mean, you joked earlier, let's, let's fire every coach that lost in week one. And, you know, you said it tongue in cheek, but you know, their fan bases are like that. Where is Matt Rule as far as his seat goes? Is he is he secure or is it a little warm right now? You know what? I would have to think it's a little warm. Um, but he did get the, the the long contract. 
And the owner has basically, he hasn't said a ton, but he said, hey, listen, this was going to be a total rebuild. And the owner said, I'm very comfortable with where we're at in this process. And a lot has been made that the third year for Matt Rule has always been magic. Uh, at Temple, and he did the same thing at Baylor. Well, that's college. This is different. The NFL is it's totally, totally different. So um, I know from watching and, and, and calling the games, this is our best opportunity to field. This is the best team, we have, in my opinion, we have fielded in the Matt Rule era. Um, I don't think we fielded a great football team last year. And the year prior, uh, didn't get to do the games because of COVID, but really shocking that this team stayed in as many games as, as they did. So I think it's getting there. There's still a few more pieces that need to be established, especially up front on both sides of the ball. So, again, it's, this, this is going to have to play out, and a lot's going to be predicated on the quarterback. What's, what does Baker do? Does Baker win a few games for us and uh, make those plays in the clutch? Um, like quarterbacks do, that, that get an opportunity to keep on playing year after year. You, you've got to win uh, when the game's on the line because that's what the NFL wants. I mean, my gosh, how many games were, were that way this, this week? It's, uh, it's, the NFL must be in heaven in New York City with how close most of these games were. They were, yeah, there was some wild finishes. The early window on Sunday had some great ones. Um, you know, the national windows didn't have as many as far as like the Thursday night opener and the Sunday night game and the nationally televised afternoon games. Monday night game was was exciting. Um, but overall, I mean, shoot, as as difficult as the Sunday night game was to even watch, they had 25.1 million people. So it's still, it's the NFL is still king and will continue to be. And um, despite the fact that, you know, the, the, the league office has done things that, you know, I think a lot of people wouldn't agree with or not, not really like, uh, they're still watching. And, and more people are watching every single year. The AFC and the NFC, Jake DeLomar guest. How big of a gap do you think there is between the top teams in the AFC and the top teams in the NFC? Well, I think there's a little bit of a gap there, and I think a lot is due to quarterbacks, to be honest. I mean, I, listen, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, I think are like, uh, anybody can say that they're, they're just they're different man they, they are different and they're and i can't wait to watch patrick mahomes this year um because he doesn't have the tyreek hill where you tend to force it to him sometimes because he's so dynamic and now and i know it's only one week but uh josh allen um patrick i'm a huge fan of herbert uh loved him at oregon yeah and uh that team is a loaded football team. Uh, and I understand Keenan Allen has a little hamstring, uh, but that's a team. And they're loaded because you have a rookie contract uh, quarterback. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can, you can use your, your, your resources to, to stack your team. So I think there's some – and I'm probably missing a couple uh, off the top of my head right now, but the, the quarterback plays pretty special um, in, the, uh, in, the, in the AFC. I mean, when the worst quarterback in your, in your division is – Derek Carr, or some might even say Russell Wilson. I wouldn't. Uh, you got a you got a pretty good division. Well, and, yeah, and, and like two of those four teams are going to have losing records. You think I, that's so? That's the thing. Yeah. You know, two of those. Four, yeah, and so and you'd have, um, you know, fifteen teams clamoring for any one of those quarterbacks, especially the two that are going to have the two losing records this year. I mean, like any team would want those. So you don't think you think for sure they're going to lose enough games out of division that 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 half of them. Uh, will, 
yeah, I just think I just don't know how are we how are you going to see four teams from a division with a winning record? I I don't I don't foresee that happening. That's just me. Could be wrong. Yeah, been wrong many many times, Scott. Well, hey, it's 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 a dog eat dog division. I think if if you want to get into the playoffs, um, you know, you're better off being in the NFC South or the AFC South, and you know the the AFC West is. I mean, it's it's just stacked. But you mentioned quarterbacks, man, and we can close on that. Like when you have one, I just don't I don't understand how you can screw it up and and let a guy go. Uh, you know, Carolina, they they found one with you. Then they had, you know, a, a bit of a, a rough period there. And then they got Cam Newton and, and they had it for a while. And now they're searching for it again. I mean, the Saints were spoiled. I mean, they had Drew Brees for so long. And last year was last year. And, and they'll see if Jameis can be the guy this year. But when you've, when you've got one that, like the Chargers do, and he'll be, you know, eligible for an extension next offseason. We'll see if they give it to Herbert or if his agent says, hey, let's play this out a little bit longer. I just don't know why. I, I know there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes, but it seems like if you have to make a relationship work between a head coach and a quarterback, if you've got one of, if you have a top ten quarterback, then do everything you can to make it work. Because without it, man, it is. You can win some games, but it is awfully tough to win a championship. And in today's NFL, I just, I just don't think it's possible. You got to have one, man, and it's. Um... And, and I'm so anxious to see how it plays out in Baltimore, whether they're going to continue to negotiate or not. I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan. I mean, you want to talk about this is a young man that's been an NFL MVP already that I think is a special player. And, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns muddied the waters for almost every team uh, due to negotiations with the quarterback. Uh, what they did with Deshaun Watson guaranteeing that money, um, that – infuriated NFL owners, to say the least. And uh, so, I mean, if if I'm Lamar Jackson, how can you not say, wait a minute, I've done a whole lot more in the NFL than Deshaun Watson. He's got guaranteed all this money. I, w- I want to be guaranteed my money also. So, right. Um, right. you know, it's a uh, – and they have one. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Baltimore, they've got a quarterback. So, it's a lot more fun to uh, go into work on Monday morning after a win or a loss knowing that, hey – our guy didn't play the best game, but that's all right. I feel pretty confident lining up with him again this week. Yeah, they they would be they would be crazy to let him go. I would just crazy, and I, I don't. Yeah, well, I don't think. Listen, they can they can tag him for two more years. So I mean, they, they they've got they can still do that. It's just I can't blame him for wanting to get as much as possible because he does run around a great deal, and that certainly there's always a chance for for uh, for injury. So, um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's certainly going to be interesting, Scott, and um, you got to play it out. And it's still so early. And if we talk too much, uh, it'll still be fairly early. You know, it'll just be right around that middle part of the season, and you still don't know which team's going to start to make that run uh, when you quietly knock out three, four, five wins in a row and set yourself up uh, for some success. Jake DeLome has been our guest. Uh, Jake, I always appreciate you taking the time, man. We usually talk. Two or three times a year uh, on the radio, and um, every now and then I give you a buzz just to talk football and get your thoughts on things. But uh, we really appreciate it, man. All the best, and uh, we'll see you out at Cajun Field. Or, you know, I know you're traveling a lot during football season, maybe out at the racetrack. But if anybody sees Jake out, tell him hi. And, um, you know, as always, man, appreciate it. All right, big thank you to Jake DeLone. When we come back on The Great Scott Show, 
an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. Thank you to Jake DeLone. When we come back on the Great Scott Show, an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. The reality is this story is sad in a lot of ways. Um, it involves an awful incident that took place and, and led to an injury that left a player paralyzed. But the player fought through it, made it out, and after coming off a ventilator, well, you'll find out next what the first words were. Plus, Josh Allen responding to Bills fans that say he runs too much. I think they have a point, but he had something to say about it. All that and Ralph Mavro later on in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk Saints-Bucks matchup. Phone, open phone lines later as well. Keep it locked in right here. It's the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Are you ready for week two of Thursday night football? Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. See, it's simple. Bet on LA or Kansas City to win. If your team leads by seven at any point during the game you get paid instantly even if your team loses i'm scott prather and i'm telling you to download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420 to get 200 in free bets instantly when you place a five dollar bet on any football game that's code 1420 only at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl must be 21 or older physically present in louisiana select parishes only bonus issued is free bets one early win token issued at opt-in money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. ESPN 1420. KPEL Lafayette. ESPN 103.3. K277DQ Lafayette. A Town Square media station. <laughs> ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. Ralph Malbro coming up in a little bit. We'll talk Saints. Appreciate Jake DeLome coming on, man. Just so much football talk. I love it. It's that time of year. It's that time of year. This weather as well. Man, how about this? We talk about perfect tailgating weather. My God. Yes. Yes. More of this. You want to win the ultimate tailgate? Tailgate for 50? Rage Occasion Homecoming coming up. October 1st, you still have time to win the ultimate tailgate from Fizo's Seafood Steakhouse Oyster Bar and Catering. A giant tent, tables, chairs, plenty of food and drinks. 50 tickets to the game. Fizo's is going to take care of you. We're going to take care of you. And you still have eight more days to sign up. What are you waiting for? If you haven't signed up yet, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Head to ESPNLafayette.com. Click on the tailgate for 50 on the What's Hot Bar. Just ESPN Lafayette app. 
Go on the app, click tailgate for 50. It's right there. It's easy. It's simple. You could be the winner. Um, a, a sad story in high school football that somehow turned into a reminder that Alabama fans are just hardcore. Um, you know, football is not a safe sport. It's reality. We all love it. It's not safe. And it was uh, just a terrible incident unfolded in Minnesota last weekend when a 15-year-old freshman named Ethan Glenn had to be rushed to the hospital. He suffered a, a, a serious neck and spinal cord injury, and he was paralyzed from the shoulders down after he made a tackle. Uh, that, that happened, I'm sorry, it wasn't last week, and it was a couple of weeks ago. And since then, he's had to go through lots of surgeries. He's been in the hospital. His family has provided updates. And he was starting to communicate a little bit with a tablet, but he was, he was on a ventilator. He needed help breathing. And he was able to get off the ventilator this week. I mean, that guy's from Minnesota, but loves the Crimson Tide. And he was, you know, there was a recap of Alabama's win over Utah State, and apparently he started smiling and nodding his head. Then he, you know, he's finding out all this stuff that's happened with Bama football since his injury. Then he found out they won against Texas on Saturday. And he got a chance to talk. The ventilator was removed. And all he said was, roll tide. First words out of his mouth, roll tide. Roll tide. Roll damn tide. I mean, that's that to me is a lot more endearing than that, you know, Harvey Updike loser that poisoned the tumor oak trees over at Auburn and was in jail and said, roll damn tide from, from jail. This was very different, very cool. Prayers to Ethan and his family. Um in his continued recovery, coming back from a terrible injury and the challenges that he has ahead in life. But you know what, man? As sports fandom can bring a smile to your face in the toughest of times. Bills fans are smiling. Bills Mafia is smiling. They're 1-0. They're ready for Monday night football. They love their quarterback, Josh Allen. And I said it, and I'll continue to say it, that Josh runs a little too much. Yes, it's a weapon. Yes, it's good. But come on, man. When your team's up by multiple scores, the Bills don't need to be calling run plays for their quarterback, who if he goes down, let's be honest, the Bills are going down. They're going down. How many of you out there listening right now, without looking, can tell me who the backup quarterback of the Buffalo Bills is? Do any of you know? Do you? Anybody? It's Case Keenum. Now, look, you, you, you know Case Keenum. You've been in the league a long time. They only have two quarters. I think Matt Barkley's on the roster. But Keenum, yeah, I know, Minneapolis Miracle. I get all that. But, like, come on, it's Case Keenum. You think the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl with Case Keenum? Of course not. I mean, Josh Allen, he's... But fans, you know, he was on uh, the NFL Network. He does a weekly thing with Kyle Brandt, and he was like, hey, you know, what do you have to say to the fans when you're running the ball in the fourth quarter when you're up by three touchdowns? 
And he said, it's football. It's football. That's what he said. It's football. Absolutely not. It's not necessary, but it's football. Well, I'm glad you said it's not necessary, but the idea that it's football is this great response. He's, he's got great running abilities. They need to utilize it, and he's built like a, you know, brick house, but it's football. Exactly. It's football. And you start doing it at times and too much when it's not necessary. Sean Payton being petty. Well, it's football. Well, he's running up the score against Tampa Bay in week one of 2020, and Michael Thomas suffers an injury he had no business suffering if you're just not trying to run up the score and run trick plays. And as a result, he missed the majority of that season and all of last season as he was having hiccups during the recovery period. Good to see him back out on the field now, but come on. It's football. You need to be smart when you play football. That's all I'm saying. My next guest, I don't know that he's smart. I mean, he's smart, but sometimes he's not because he lets his emotions get in the way of his intelligence. Ralph Malbro of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Saints Bucks this Sunday. We got to break it down, what to expect, what to anticipate. He joins me next right here on the Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette. Speaking of the Saints, one more thing for you. You know, I told you guys about, obviously, the tailgate for 50. You can also win a pretty awesome Saints prize. Weekly. The ultimate Houdat experience. So if you want to see the Saints play in New Orleans, if you want to be at the plaza level at the Caesar Superdome, two home tickets to the home games, a pair of passes to hang out with DJ Digital at the official VIP tailgate, which, by the way, is a fully catered pregame party put up by Bullseye Event Group, free food, open bar, on the rooftop patio of Benson Tower, overlooking Champion Square. Yes, please. Yeah, you can do it. That can be yours. Sign up to win. Each week, you got to sign up weekly. On the What's Hot Bar, click on Saints at ESPN Lafayette, and you can sign up there. It's free to sign up. It's free to sign up. It's simple. You can also sign up uh, via the ESPN Lafayette app. Pretty simple to sign up there as well. We don't want to make things complicated for you. When you go to the app, you'll see underneath the headlines, tailgate for 50 and then a Saints thing. There's some little star ribbon. Those are your contests. Okay, those are your contests. Click on that and sign up. But what about the road games? What about the road games? Well, thanks to our friends at Legends Bar and Grill, even when the Saints are on the road, you can win. What do you win for road games? Well, How about a black and gold style party at your home with a Legends tailgate prize pack? 10 burgers, 10 wraps, 20 bags of chips. You want to watch the game at any Legends location or on the big screen at the house? Either one. Say, hey, look, I want to have this party here at Legends. I want to invite my friends. You're going to make food for us here. Maybe you want to watch it at home. They'll pack up all the food for you. You can pick it up. Each week, the deadline to enter is Thursday at midnight except when the Saints play on Thursday night football. So you have the rest of the day. You could be at the Superdome this Sunday, partying it up and watching the game, Saints-Bucks, but you got to sign up. Got to sign up. Shout out to the sponsor of this contest, Restoration One, your local business to help with any water, fire, and mold damage. Call 337-RESTORE. That's 337-RESTORE to get your property back to its full glory. Quick time, Matt. When we come back, Ralph Malbro joins us. 
This is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Into the great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. A lot of football talk today, and why not? Week two of the NFL tonight, Chargers and the Chiefs on Prime. We've uh, talked to Jake DeLome earlier, got into a lot of football talk with him. Jake played in the league, knows the sport well, the color commentator for the Panthers on their radio network. Uh, lots of experience. And I figured it'd be perfect to, uh, you know, have another guest on this morning that uh, spent no time in the league, uh, bases his opinions uh, uh, on halfway fact and halfway kind of just, you know, maybe alcohol induced or how he's feeling that day. Ralph Malbro, my friend, uh, Saints historian, writer, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, joins us here on this Thursday. Ralph, the um, I know I know it was you know five days ago, but. And you guys talked about it on the big show Monday night that 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 went over the Falcons. I don't know, man. It's getting a little sweeter each day. You know, it's, after- it's all timer. All time. Like it's to me, it's definitely a top five Saints moment. I mean, a regular season. Like you can put the Gleason Dome return at number one, and if you put Sunday at number two, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you. I'm just gonna be like, wasn't it amazing? I mean. They, it was basically the greatest heist, heist in Saints history, and it's Atlanta, and it's even the series, and like Arthur Smith had a little, you know, a meltdown after the game and walked off like a toddler. Like it was, it just had everything you could ever want, and the fact that Atlanta just keeps collapsing and collapsing it doesn't matter who the coach is it doesn't matter who the quarterback it's like in their dna is just hilarious beyond words like you talk about like enjoyment like sure it would have been fun to beat them like 45 to nothing and like laugh at them because they were so terrible but the way that it happened scott it kind of made it better and i'll be honest there was not a single solitary second in that football game that I thought the Saints were going to win. Even when they were down 26-24, even when they kicked the field goal, Lattimore had the penalty, and Koo was like, the Saints, they blew it. They, they had, Lattimore did something dumb, and Koo's going to kick this 62-yard yard field goal, and, and it's going to be horrible. Like I never believed for a second they were going to win, and I think that made it more amazing the fact that they actually did. I'm, I'm honest. It's, we're, we're in circle of trust here, right? Like, I'll be honest. Like, it was 26 times. Like, it's done. Like, this is horrible. They have five yards of passing. But, it, you know, some kind of way, miracles are real. It was. I was talking to Luke Johnson earlier this week, and he was right. He's like, you know, when, when your team has a crazy comeback, and as far as the Saints go, they had never been down 16 in the fourth quarter of a game and won until now. Been down 15. They had had some cup, but never 16. So you set a new franchise record in that mar- regard. But he said, listen, when things like that happen, it usually takes the other team screwing up and you're, you know, the team that wins doing everything right. 
and the ball bouncing their way. It's like, that's not what happened. I mean, the Saints had huge mistakes, like game lose, multiple game losing mistakes in the fourth quarter amid the comeback and still somehow managed to win. And I'm like, that's just, that's the Falcons, man. They like, they're like the reverse of the rig carnival game where you actually can never win. They're, right. they're like the carnival booth where it's like, no, listen, you missed the first two. Now I'm going to rig it to make sure you win because we just always find ways to epically lose. I, I don't, I, I, it's, it was hilarious. I mean, it took a while to sort of process it all and move on and just, you know, talk about a, a lot of the issues the Saints showed in week one of the season, which is always the biggest overreaction to any uh, week of the NFL season because, you know, the lack of preseason reps, all that stuff. But that's beside the point. From just a, a Saints-Falcons standpoint, it was just another another glorious moment in, in both teams' histories. And the Falcons' pain, coupled with the fact that it was against the Saints, just made for the perfect recipe for opening week. And you're right. Long-term, might it have been better to see the Saints crisp and dominant and all that? Yes. Would it have been as fun? No, I don't think so. Not seeing them blow another big double-digit lead late and blowing it to a team in the Saints that didn't even play well and still managed to beat them. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Saints is I don't know what it is with them in the read option, but whatever plan they have, like they just need to throw it in the trash because the read option, it kill, it kills them. Like, And the thing is, I think it's partly that they try to dial back the aggressiveness and have contained, but I think part of it is like their defensive tackles even on Yamada, like he he wasn't as good as he had been last year. I mean, Atlanta was blowing holes wide open and running the dive. Um, so I don't know. I don't even know really what you take from it because I feel like Atlanta, they clearly like played their people more in the preseason and were more ready. And they had some exotic, weird things they were running on defense and offense. So I don't even know what you take from it besides the fact that my thing with division games are. Division games get weird. Like, don't view them for like future predictions or success or failure. Like, it's just it's just Saints Falcons, and sometimes it takes you into a parallel dimension where things get really, really wacko. ESPN Lafayette, it was it was whack on Sunday, no doubt about it. But um, it's in the rear view, and now you've got the Buccaneers coming to the Mercedes Benz Superdome. Um, a, a team that many think will win the NFC South. It's kind of split between the Bucks and the Saints. Saints have had their number in the regular season, but it's week two. The Saints looked awfully rusty for most of the game last Sunday. Tampa looked okay, but they were playing a Dallas team that looks like they're dead in the water. So, what are your like? What what are your honest feelings? Not so much looking at at the last couple of years, but just the last couple of days as it pertains to this matchup Sunday. Well, the thing is with the Saints is they need, you know, we'll have to see, um, uh, we'll have to see what happens with the, the injury report. They need a Debo if he's on schedule to play. They need him because Tampa has a bunch of receivers. But that aside, Scott, the Tampa offensive line is kind of a disaster. And I know it didn't really get noticed against Dallas because Dallas was even a disaster from top to bottom on offense. But Tampa's not going to have their center. They're not going to have their guard. They're not going to have their left tackle. And, like, the Saints the last couple years have given it to Brady. Like, everyone else in the NFL, Brady, 
never ages. He's ageless. He's just a superhero. He's going to play forever. But when he plays a Saints, Scott, he looks every bit of 45 years old. And that's the key. Like, the Saints, that defensive line that was terrible against Atlanta and couldn't get any pressure, they got to get to Brady. And when they get to him, like, the Saints force him into mistakes, and they can cover those receivers for Tampa. Um, to me, the most fascinating thing with Tampa is Julio looks really good. Like, I don't know if he can last because he's old and it's just me too. But, like, if he is one of those Tampa people that, like, finds the fountain of youth, that makes them incredibly difficult to defend. But I just – the thing is, Scott, and you know this football, not to be X's and O's, but if you have trouble on your lines, like, you can't hide that forever. Like, Brady can't hide that. No one can. And I just expect the Saints on Sunday, like, they've got to get after this ball. If, if they can't get – if they don't get to Brady on Sunday with a raucous home crowd, then I think you have a couple weeks of, like, oof, they're not getting pressure. What's up with this? So we'll just have to see. But it's, it's a completely different world from Atlanta, so I expect them to play better. Yeah, I mean, speaking of O-line, though, I mean, that was my number one concern about the Saints coming into this season. Last Sunday did nothing to um, – make me get off of that take because you know they weren't they weren't great now it wasn't all on the old line and Dennis Allen pointed out you know they didn't pick this up I mean there was one play where the Saints had six blockers they kept the running back back Atlanta only rushed three and they still got straight to the quarterback so I get it they're they're rusty they got a lot of work to do but man they are just they are they do not have the depth there you know what I mean they are they are thin there, and I, I, it's always going to be that big worry for me week to week. Because if you have a string of injuries to the O line, Ralph, I, I think you're not going to lose the rest of your games. But it's game over as far as actually, you know, doing doing anything in the postseason this year. I really believe. Well, yeah, I mean, look, every NFL team is basically like one injury away from not a calamity on the on the offensive line, but you got to reshuffle, and it's a crisis, right? And the thing with the Saints, Trevor Penning hurt his foot. He's going to be back in November. I think he can still contribute and have a decent rookie year. But, like, their contingency plan at left tackle is at the bottom of the ocean, right? And here's my thing about James Hurst. The idea of James Hurst at left tackle is always better than the reality. Like, James Hurst is one of those guys where you're like, he is a great backup. He is a luxury item. But once you start seeing him play week after week, you're like, we need something better. So um, that's the issue with the Saints and, and with Caesar re-struggling and that sort of thing. The one thing I will say is McCoy and Jameis, they got it together in the fourth quarter. Like you could see the Saints were having mass confusion. Dean Pease for Atlanta, he does exotic stuff. And they had the Saints on tilt. But Jameis and McCoy, they got it together in that fourth quarter and they fixed it. So that gives me hope that they'll be on the right path. And the thing is, Scott, you know, it's one thing not to play the starters in the preseason, which the Saints hardly did, except they they played them against the Chargers. And they probably only did that because Jameis missed two weeks of practice. And, like, that that matters. Like, it it, it might not matter for Brady because he can go away for 11 days, but he wasn't hurt. Jameis was hurt almost all of last year. He's coming back off a knee. He needed those two weeks to get in sync with Michael Thomas, to get in sync with the line. Like it, it mattered, 
And the Saints are very fortunate <laughs> the Falcons are just masters of collapse. But I think, I think that matters, um, and we'll see how it goes a Sunday. But I think the thing is, too, and, 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 and kind of got lost in the shuffle last year of that. And by the way, when you talk about all-time Saints ridiculous games, the win on Halloween last year, I'm not saying it's a top five moment all-time in Saints history for regular season, but if you want to rank the most ridiculous game wins in Saints history, the fact that the Saints are throwing the fullbacks Tommy Arma and Trevor Sidney is throwing go routes to Kevin White and they beat Tom Brady, like that will never not be hilarious to me. But in that game, Jameis is about to cook Tampa. I know their secondary is better and it's healthy, but I'm thinking Jameis is going to Jameis is going to have a big game Sunday, and I know you know he wants to stick it to Tampa. He's going to smile and say all the right stuff during the week. He said it some this week. But you know, he wants to, he wants to stick it in Tampa's face on Sunday. Are you surprised Tampa's uh, about a you know a three point favorite right now on most most lines? No, I mean look, Vegas Vegas is going to Tampa. Tampa is a public Tampa is a public team because Brady is a star, right? So Tampa will go back to being irrelevant when Brady's gone. But when Brady's there and they're still winning and competitive, they're as public a team as the Packers, as the Chiefs. You know, not Dallas because they're Dallas is sunk and sinking. But there, I would say, if you looked at the betting, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the numbers in front of me. But I would bet you the public bets Tampa every week as much as any team. And when that happens, Vegas is going to inflate that line. Just a little, like that line should probably be. It's two, it's it's three right now. It got that up to three, I guess, because of the Sunday night game with Brady. Really, that line should to me, Scott, should be like one, one and a half. But that line is because it's because of Brady. Like he inflates the line. Speaking of Brady, I I think this look, this weird look of his, I think he's just. Yeah. Trying to play Gozer in whatever the next Ghostbuster movie is. Like, you remember what the villain looked like? That's what he looks like. It's like looks like it look. It looks like Gozer. It's very, it's very odd. I know his. You know, I, 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 look. I'm not. I don't want to be disrespectful. I know he's having some mental issues. They're working it out. I just mean literally. Just looking at him, he's he looks like too thin, right? He looks gaunt. He looks gaunt. Like right. The thing is. You know, I'll steal this from Bomani Jones from his podcast. You know, Brady, he had to miss 10, 11 days because here's the thing. When he retired, deposits were made and promises were made and promises needed to be kept. And I, I think that's what that was. I don't think it was him on the mass Singer. I don't think it was like a plastic surgery or anything. But he does. He looks, he just looks. He looks like that old picture. It's a, it's a famous U.S. senator, John C. Calhoun, where you look at the picture and it just haunts your soul because he's so gaunt and thin and his eyes are like bugging out of his head. Tom Brady reminded me not only of Gozer, like you said, but John C. Calhoun, uh, uh, political figure in the, in the 1800s, around the, right around before the Civil War. And it's just the most creepy painting you ever saw in your life. That's what Brady... He really does look like it. I don't know. Maybe he's gone to the extreme with the, T, the TB12 diet. If Look, as far as Sunday goes, if they get pressure on him from the inside, they win. I mean, they win. That's, that's, that's not a new mm-hmm. 
They don't have any kind of special playbook. That's what's worked against them. And if he has time to throw and they don't get a lot of pressure, I don't think the Saints win because I think he's able to to do a lot of work. I mean, uh, turnovers and all that other stuff aside, that's really what it always comes down to when these two teams play. And, you know, they, they were able to do it somewhat in the playoff game, but not nearly the same way they did in the other four. And the Saints, of course, turned it over. Thank you, Jared Cook, in that playoff game. But in those other ones, they just they constantly got pressure, particularly from the inside. And it made a guy that leads every passing statistic ever um, you know, less than average. I mean, that's that's well, the key to slowing them down. And they and you mentioned it. Their old line a little beat up right now. But 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 Ralph, let's not act like the Saints' D line looked good on Sunday. I mean, they were they they were they were awful. They didn't get any kind of pressure at all on Mariota. Any, they didn't get any. They had one hit on. They had one hit on Mariota. And the thing with the Saints in those Tampa games is even in the playoff game, like Brady was barely above fifty percent. He didn't throw for two hundred yards. Like, they've gotten after him. And the, the, the thing that really has allowed them to ramp up that pressure is you look at all of, the, all of the Tampa games, even the one in Halloween where Tampa made a furious comeback and it took a minor miracle for the Saints to win. They were ahead in that game. Like, all these games in the regular season, the Saints have at one point, in three of the four, they've, they ended up, they, I think in all of them they've ended up winning by more than one score. But they've always got ahead of them. And the thing is, once the Saints get ahead, well, then it's like, oh, he's 45. He's a statue. We know where he's going to be. Let's go get him. And Tampa's never really gotten in the game where, you know, they're up 13-6 to and they can run Fournette a little bit. They're always chasing against the Saints. And I wouldn't be surprised in this game, Scott, if Tampa comes out and is like, hey, Saints, you stunk it up against Atlanta. We're going to see if we can shove you around and jam Leonard, jam Leonard Fournette down your gullet. And it would be a little weird because you think when you think of Tampa, you think of Brady, you think of receivers, you think of Mike Evans and all that. But I think that's the plan for Tampa. I think they're going to say, hey, let's try to get ahead of the Saints and see if we can change the script on these games. Um, so I think one of the keys to the Saints is, you're right, the defensive line's got to play better. But they gotta they gotta stop Leonard Leonard Fournette, who I was told weighed like eight hundred pounds in training camp, but he didn't weigh eight hundred pounds Sunday night against. The Man, he looked good, didn't he? <laughs> he looked he, he looked good. He did not look like uh, Eddie Lacy there at the end of his career. He looked like Leonard <laughs> Fournette, and he was he was manhandling some people. Um, Ralph Malbro has been our guest at Saints Forecast on Twitter, Ralph. Uh, the Saints Happy Hour podcast, one of my favorites, and you and Juge and Dave and Kevin, it's always entertaining. Uh, I know a lot of our listeners, you know, they subscribe, they listen. I get texts from listeners anytime I ever talk with you. Even <laughs> even when I was on the spaces with you, when I was just like still in shock from Sunday's game, somebody oh mentioned it to me. So, uh, But you guys uh, do a, a live show in New Orleans tomorrow, we, is that right? We are. Port Orleans, uh and Andrew's very friendly with Zach Streif, and he's been, he's been a very good friend of the program. He is allowing us, because he's part owner of Port Orleans, he's allowing us to do a live show Friday night, 7 o'clock. Of course, New Orleans time will start like 7.10, 7.15, and we are going to have a blast. God, we got If you RSVP, go to Saint, wherever you find things happy, or just search it on Google or wherever, click the RSVP link, and we are giving away the boys are back. It's a Jarvis Landry and Honey Badger Mardi Gras cup. And the first 125 people 
that RSVP get it. We have only have like six or seven of them left. So we're going to have a raucous crowd. Like my wife who is a wedding planner has planned this event, hopefully meticulously with a stage and trivia and giveaways. And it's going to be ridiculously fun. And it can't get any better than the Saints are one and oh, and they're hosting Tom Brady on Sunday. We'll get you ready for it. It's just going to be, it's just going to be a great night. Uh, it doesn't cost anything. Come out to Port Orleans if you're in New Orleans. Uh, and hang out with us. It's going to be a great night. Yeah, man. I wish I could be there. I've got work and some dad duties, but uh, if I could, I would. It sounds like a blast. And uh, the show is always fun. If you're listening, go subscribe. Check out Ralph's writing for WWLTV.com. And of course, you hear him occasionally right here on the Great Scott Show. Appreciate the time, my friend. All the best. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Scott. All right, big thanks to Ralph. We'll take a quick time out when we come back. Oh, Chargers Chiefs tonight. Who's going to win that one? Maybe an upset pick or two for this week's action. Don't go anywhere. And the Razor Cajun depth chart came out last night. Anything worth noting? Anything that sticks out? We'll talk about it next. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coulda, shoulda, and woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a big skin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. All-time great, just retired. All-time great, just retired. I'm talking about tennis. Roger Federer says it's time to end his career. He will retire after next week's Labor Cup. 20-time Grand Slam champion. Many think he's the best, although he doesn't hold the record. That belongs to Nate Dahl, who probably wouldn't have it if Novak had just gotten a vaccine and been able to play in some tournaments or if those tournaments had just allowed him to. But that's not the point. The point is, Federer is an all-time great. Some would say the all-time great in the sport. Hell of a career. All-class, no brash. All-time great. All-time great. But old man time catches everybody. Just like everybody can seem to catch the Mets in the standings, even when they have a three-game series against an awful team like the Cubs and they get swept. But y'all don't want to hear me complain about the Mets doing what they, you know, tend to do. Ugh. How do you lose three in a row to the Cubs? How do you continually only get like a single run when Jacob deGrom's on the mound? I'm just, I'm just yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just just sick of it. I'm sick of it. Phone lines are open 337-269-1077. 337-269-1077. Got a matchup tonight in the NFL, Amazon Prime. The NFL's, you know, the NFL streaming. 
They're bet on Simply Streaming. Gets underway tonight. Some would say it's a gamble. You know, even though they've had Thursday night games on Amazon, they've also been simulcast on the NFL Network or on Fox or various channels. You know, with the exception of one game on one Saturday late in the season, there hasn't been an Amazon-only broadcast. Exception like one game a year. Now you've got 15 this season. Check that, 16. So there's 18 weeks. Week one there wasn't, and then the Thanksgiving week there isn't. The rest of the weeks, well, no, there's not one in week 18. So, yeah, 15 games. Now, I get why the NFL does it. Not just because, you know, things are going more and more things are going to streaming, but the NFL gets billions from this deal. And Amazon gets to say, hey, we're a serious player in this thing. The content wars. Now, how many fans do you think out there around the country don't realize that Amazon Prime is not on a cable box or not where, you know, they they don't have a smart TV. They don't have it. They're like, wait, what? What is this? I can't see it. See, it's easy for us to be in the know. If you're listening, you probably already know, yeah, it's it's on Amazon Prime. Maybe not. Maybe you're just discovering it right now as I tell you, and you're like, wait, what? If I want to watch Chiefs Chargers tonight, huh? The exclusive carrier for the vast majority of the Thursday night games, $13 billion through 2033. This ain't going anywhere. A billion dollars a year. Amazon is paying about $67 million per game in rights fees. $67 million a game. I mean, most movies, the biggest shows on television don't have that kind of budget for a whole season. Reminder, guys, NFL is king. And Amazon just, you know, they've got all the money. I mean, they... they put tons of money into this Lord of Rings series they have, most expensive television show ever. But that's not how most television shows are. But most companies don't have the bankroll that Amazon has. So it makes sense. $67 million, well, they can do it. They can do it. They were paying $50 million a year to do one game. But now they're in it in a much bigger way. And you get good matchups. Right? You get good matchups. Tonight, Chiefs-Chargers, that's a big matchup. And the Chargers not having Keenan Allen is a big part of the story. And the fact that this game is in Kansas City is a big part of the story. Chiefs are favored by four. Chiefs will win this game. Depth chart. For the Cajuns, released last night. Nothing super-duper notable. I mean, Trey Amos, not listed on the injury report. That's big. Landon Burton, not listed on the injury report. Lynn's little brother. Not so little, 6'3", 298. But can play center, can play... You know, they, they it, it gives the Cajuns more depth at an area where they need it. Those are the things that really stand out from the depth chart, honestly. Emails. Here's an email from Terry. Scott, did you happen to catch Shannon Sharp's take on Brett Favre yesterday? I didn't. I didn't. My guess was it was probably what, you know, 
Many of us have been telling you all for years. He ain't a good dude. Let me Google this for a second. What did he say? Oh, okay. So he was... Sharp was calling out the hypocrisy of, you know, the Hall of Fame voters. Well, sure. Think about think about Brett Favre prior to the fact that he was stealing millions of dollars from the poorest individuals in the poorest state in the USA to build a volleyball stadium in his alma mater and then claim that he raised all the money. I mean, the fact that he's sending lewd text and, and, and bedroom invites to someone that never even met him or talked to him or anything, just wanted to ignore him and impacted that young lady's life for the rest. Like, we could go through those things, but back when he played, I mean, he was partying a lot, popping the paint, all that stuff. But when it was time for the Hall of Fame, and no doubt he's a Hall of Fame talent, I'm not suggesting he was an all-time great quarterback, but none of that stuff was brought up. Well, you can't bring that stuff up. Terrell Owens should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. Michael Irvin should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. Why didn't he get in on the first ballot? Well, you know, you know, I mean, Dio did nothing other than, you know, be braggadocious and and say, you know, negative things about teammates. But as far and you know, and call out the media. But as far as like the guy, I mean, what? Never had any trouble. Never got any accusations or, or soliciting, you know, reporters that work for teams and sending on inappropriate things or stealing money. Uh, this latest one is just, it's really pathetic. It's really sad. But when it came time for the for the Hall of Fame, you know, I remember a lot of people saying, well, yeah, Irvin didn't get in at first because, you know, he did cocaine and he was did these other things and he was in trouble with the law. Oh, oh. Let's point out all the stuff they do. Let's keep them off for a few years, but let's just let Brett Favre get in, not mention any of this stuff. So, yeah, the Hall the Hall of Fame voters are, I mean, either only tell the story about the football player and let them in based on the merit of how they were as a player or don't and bring up the other stuff. And if you're going to let it be part of it, be open about it. But this latest thing about Favre is, I mean, they tried to disguise it as him getting paid obscene amounts of money to speak to, you know, speaking engagements. He was going to pay Brett Favre over a million dollars to have a few speaking engagements to those that are in need of, of welfare. But that's not even what was happening. He was in cahoots with some nonprofit. It's a text exchange. I wrote all about it yesterday, ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Can the media find out where I got this money from? Well, they did. But I'll have to check that out. I appreciate the email. I, I did not see what Shannon Sharp had to say. But just seeing the headline here about Hall of Fame, I'm guessing that's probably, it probably had something to do with that. Probably had something to do with that. Tomorrow on the show, Gus Cattengill at 7, as he typically is. And Devin. From New Orleans. Now, if you're wondering who who Devin is, Snow Like John on Twitter, Hold the Mayo, the Red Beans and Rice guy. Now it's starting to ring some bells. For those of you that do know who I'm talking about, you just got excited. For those of you that don't, it's going to be fun. Now, I, I, I've never even talked to Devin before. We're just, he's like, look, just put it on. Let's going to wing it. 
He gets to go off the handle. I'm looking forward to that. The Dan Patrick shows next. By the way, last thing, Saints injury report yesterday. Alma Kamara, not DNP, limited. It's a good sign. Thought he'd be a DNP with the Murray signing, but Mark Ingram was a, a, an LP as well, limited as well. Long injury report for both the Bucks and the Saints. 21 players total. Jameis, Tom Brady, a lot of them. You can go check that out as well over at the ESPN Lafayette app. Have a great Thursday, everybody. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Are you ready for week two of Thursday night football? Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. See, it's simple. Bet on LA or Kansas City to win. If your team leads by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. I'm Scott Prather, and I'm telling you to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420 to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1420 only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued is free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call one 877 770 stop.